If he's good all the time, that means he's always worthy of our best praise. Woo! Hallelujah. Anybody excited to be in the house of the Lord tonight? Woo! High five about 15 people on the way to your seat. Tell them God is good all the time. Amen. What an awesome presence of the Lord is in this house tonight. Amen. I want to take just a brief opportunity. You may be seated. I want to take just a brief opportunity. We have some guests here in the house of the Lord tonight. Rock Church, would you help me put your hands together? Come on, we can do a little bit better than that. Help me welcome our guests that are here in the house of the Lord with us tonight. What an honor to have you here uh, on this Tuesday night for our Fall Family Series. We're excited about what the Lord is doing in this house. I'm glad to be home tonight. Amen. I'm excited to be home in the house of the Lord. Uh, I traveled about 5,000 miles over the weekend. Uh, heard a total of 11 sermons and participated in 11 altar calls. I preached four of the 11 services and uh, had a great move of God, but I am glad to be back in Fort Myers, Florida tonight. Woo! I'm so excited to be home, grateful for everything that the Lord is doing. What an incredible move of God took place here on Sunday. How many of you were blessed by the ministry of our college and career pastor and our youth pastor on Sunday. Come on, would you help me give God a great big hand clap of appreciation for their ministry. Amen. Sunday morning, uh, Pastor Sloss preached about the yoke of bitterness. What an incredible, incredible work from God. And then Sunday night, our youth pastor, Pastor Sfalaza, preached about a, a, a new coat or a different coat for a new season how many were blessed by that word from heaven I appreciate them and their great ministry and then uh, on Sunday morning we baptized I think the name is pronounced Hilgado uh, in Jesus name for the remission of his sins I think we ought to give God a great big praise for that tonight and, and uh, we have a lot of people that are out sick tonight. There's a little sick bug going through the land. But I plead the blood of Jesus tonight. Amen. I plead the blood of Jesus. And uh, uh, they are not here tonight, uh, not because of sickness, but because of something very exciting. And in case they're tuned in online, we want to give a great big congratulations to brother and sister Bearfield on the birth of little Ezra Bearfield today. He was born early this morning. I think he was eight pounds and 11 ounces, uh, like 20 and a half inches long, I think. And uh, just as cute, cute as can be. We can't wait to meet him. And so if you're watching brother and sister Bearfield, congratulations. We're so excited for you. Amen. And we are honored tonight to have brother and sister Pope back in the house of the Lord with us for our fall family series. Would you help me give them a great big welcome tonight? 
Amen. Let's stand as we prepare for the word of the Lord uh, in this house tonight. And uh, again, we've got some refreshments after the service that we want to uh, make sure that you avail yourself of a time of fellowship and those refreshments immediately after the service tonight. Brother and Sister Pope, I was thinking about this uh, this afternoon. We understand that marriage and the family is the first institution ever we ever see in the Word of the Lord. The very beginning of the Word of the Lord, we see the establishment of the family, beginning with the marriage covenant. And you want to know what else we see immediately after that institution is established is an assault from hell. The very first thing that Satan attacks is that family in the garden. Amen. And it is sets a picture for us of the awareness that we ought to have concerning the enemy's intention regarding God's people and the families in God's people. Amen. The Bible says we're not we're not we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. Turn around and tell your neighbor don't be an ignoramus. <laughs> this is one time you can say it and not be slanderous. We're being literal. The Bible says don't be ignorant. We're not ignorant of say don't be an ignoramus. I'm, I, I thought about this, Brother and Sister Pope. They're in the garden, and we, we understand that a, a conversation ensues between Eve and the serpent. A conversation that should have never taken place. And what's even more mind-boggling, and I don't, I don't have time to unpack all of this, is we often, at least I always thought, when I thought about the story and read it that she was over here by herself talking to the snake and, and, and Adam is somewhere else in the garden but when you read the context of the scripture immediately when she is convinced by the serpent she grabs a hold of the fruit she eats it and she takes it and gives it straightway to her husband that tells me that he was standing there the entire time the conversation was happening and never said a word. God help us to have men in this hour that will lead their home and learn how to speak up in the face. Come on somebody, it's not if, it's when. The voice of the enemy will try to infiltrate and speak and in. God help us to have strong men that recognize. I see what's happening. Uh, I know what this is about and stand up. Amen. And then instead of uh, standing up for what was right, he partook of the fruit with her. God help us to have somebody in the marriage who's got enough sense to say, you made a mistake, but I'm not going to make the same mistake with you. Amen. Amen. And I, I could preach theologically right here because the last man, the first man, Adam, he fell in the garden and partook of the sin. And, 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 and he, uh, he, he just went ahead and said, all right, we're going to die. But the last man, Adam, said, Lord, don't kill my spouse. Take me instead. And he defeated the enemy in the garden. 
I ain't got time. I ain't got time this morning. But, but I think now more than ever, we are at a place in, in our society where moments like tonight, tell your neighbor, moments like tonight are absolutely critical to our families. Amen, somebody. Amen. You know what I found out, brother and sister Pope? People don't usually lose out with God over complex things. It's usually the fundamentals of living for God that are neglected. The simple things, the simple principles of God's word. But I'm believing that tonight God is going to strengthen some things in the families of this house. Amen. I believe God's going to strengthen some principles in our hearts and in our minds tonight. How many of you came hungry and ready for what God's going to do in this place? Come on, would you help me put your hands together one more time and give God a great big praise as brother and sister Pope deliver their heart to us tonight. We love you, brother and sister Pope. Thank you, Pastor. And it's good to see all of you tonight. We love you all. It's our privilege to be here. We want to share the Word of God. And we hope that what God puts in our space here tonight that we will hear, we will heed, and it will benefit our families in the days to come. And as I said last week, it is buried deep in my heart. It is a serious burden in my heart for the families that God is coming back very soon. Very soon. And it's important for us to safeguard our families, to get our act together, so to speak, and to make sure that we're ready when he splits those eastern skies. Praise the Lord. Sister Pope is coming at this time to speak to us tonight. We ask you to uh, open your heart, open your mind, open your Bibles, and let's see what, 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 what the Lord will say, what we can get in this service tonight. Praise the Lord again. God bless you. You may be seated. Um, I just wanted to comment on the wonderful setup that you have here. I'm not sure who was responsible, but um, that reminded me so much as when I was growing up, we had a two-story house, brick, that had a brick fireplace inside. Sometimes in the winter, we had hot dogs in that. We made s'mores. Have you ever made s'mores? <laughs> in our fireplace, in our house. So it brought back really good memories. I want to give honor to your leadership here. Brother and Sister Williams, we love you. And I appreciate Brother and Sister Sloss, who have been so good to always help us with whatever we're doing. But I want to start with... Um, a, a, sh a book that had five short chapters and it's called Temptation. Chapter one, I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I'm lost. I'm helpless. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find a way out. Chapter two, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I 
believe I'm in the same place, but it isn't my fault. It takes a long time to get out. Chapter 3. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see that it is there. I still fall in. It has become a habit. My eyes are open. I know where I am. It is my fault. I get out immediately. Chapter 4. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. Chapter 5. I walk down a different street. I'm going to be talking tonight about healthy families. It's all about choices. Doesn't mean that your family's perfect. Ours is not. And you're going to hear a little bit about the Pope family tonight. So you're going to find out that we made mistakes and then we had to make changes. But it is about choices. Number one, the Lord says, excuse me, the world says, follow your heart. Instead, Jesus says, follow me. The world says, be true to yourself. But instead, Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny himself. The world says, believe in yourself. But Jesus says, believe in me. The world says, live your truth. Instead, Jesus said, I am the truth. Well, the world says, as long as you're happy. And Jesus said, instead, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Jeremiah 17 and 9 says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Now, the Bible is not a goody-goody book. It shares the winners, the losers of the people in the Bible. It tells about the good things they did, and it tells about the bad things they did. And it is an example. This Bible is an example for us to study, apply those principles to our lives, or refuse to follow even we've We've seen the results that were tragic for those families in the Bible. God is a gentleman. He does not force people. He doesn't twist their, our arms behind his, our backs and say, you will follow me. He is a gentleman. He would receive no glory in that case if he was forcing us. The Bible is simply our guidebook for a successful life here and a successful eternal life thereafter. Remember that judgment begins at the house of God. Start fresh, a new beginning. Do the right thing from this point forward. Do not live in past mistakes. 
fix whatever your mistake was as soon as you can and put it under the blood. Our children and our grandchildren are the only things that we can take to heaven with us. Many generations did not stay right with God. Parents have walked away from truth. They let up a little, and then it doesn't start. Stop there. The kids get in with the wrong friends. The friends influence them rather than the kids influencing these friends. They get caught up in activities and miss church. What are the priorities in your family? My husband's going to share our Pope mission statement. If you were to walk into our home in Mattoon, Illinois, one of the first things you would see sitting on a little table just inside the door is a frame and inside that frame is the Pope mission statement. Together we have over time set our children down many times and had a spiritual discussion for our home, how we live, and the things that we do and do not do. And we had boundaries within our uh, home and the way we live and the way we would do things, which gives rise to this mission statement that I'm going to read to you here in just a moment. But let me say that early on, we determined that our family is a family of ministry. Now that is not to say that we all get behind the pulpit and preach, although some of that does take place. But that means that each one of us is going to live a true life according to the Bible and according to God's teaching. And that we're going to do everything within our power as God directs to minister to other people. It's all about the other people. The key thing... The key thing that the Lord has given us as a ministry and a task, a purpose, is to see souls saved. That's what ministry is all about. And that's where we need to direct our families. And now we have six grandchildren. And I have set them down and talked to them and taught them and stressed to them we are a family of ministry. And I can say that all six of my grandkids have repented of their sins. They have been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of those sins. And each and every one of them has received the gift of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gives the utterance. And for that, I am so thankful. 
praise God. So the Pope mission statement, if you stepped inside of our home, you would see it says our home and family, a ministry to others with time, talent, and finance. A place of healing, a place of peace, a healthy family bonding, communicating, and working together, submitting to the authority of the Bible led by the Spirit. And that is what we in the Pope household live by, by the grace of God. I challenge every one of you to sit down in your family and make a mission statement. Display it in your home so that your kids, your grandkids see it. Let them help you make that mission statement. And my husband also, in his teaching of many financial seminars, he shows a man, there's a cartoon he has, he's showing up at heaven's door pulling a U-Haul with all of his stuff. Can't take it with you. We can only take our family. You do not have a long time to influence your children and grandchildren. They watch you. You are their role model. Getting our family right is the best chance for your children to be saved. They watch what you do more than what you say. Your children are going to have identity issues if they are raised in an apostolic church, but not an apostolic home. Parents do not follow the same principles in the home that what the pastor teaches in the church. Your children are going to have identity issues. David, let's look at David. He had multiple wives. It was a socially acceptable practice. In Deuteronomy 17, 17, though, it says, Neither shall he multiply wives to himself, that his heart turn not away. Neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and gold. Now that sure makes sense to me. Can you imagine trying to please all those wives and concubines? Eight names, named wives and ten concubines, possibly more. Absalom was David's third son, birthed by Maha. Her name means oppressed or crushed. Maha reared Absalom, David's favorite son, whose name means father of peace. He was definitely not peaceful. Absalom's gifts were greater than his character. He was handsome, everybody loved him, but he ultimately betrayed his own father and conspired against him for the throne. He lived in great style, drove in a, in a magnificent chariot, and he had 50 men run before him. A lesson in life from Absalom. Be aware of pride. 
Absalom thought he could run the country better than his father. Philippians 2.3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Another lesson, deal with rebellion. That's open resistance to authority or control. It's difficult to control. Do not behave in the way that it is, is expected. This is actually different than disobedience, which is failure to obey rules. One important thing to note, David had many, many wives and too many children, yet he helped raise none of them. No godly father to influence those children's lives. David saw Bathsheba taking a bath. We note the position of Uriah, Uriah's home, Bathsheba's husband. It was right next to the palace. And so while Uriah, Bathsheba's husband, was fighting the enemy, David committed adultery with his wife. Bathsheba became pregnant. When Uriah would not leave the battlefield and come home to sleep with his wife, David sent word to Joab to send Uriah into the forefront of the hottest battle where he would be smitten and die. David wanted Uriah to come home and cover David's sin. Uriah came home, but he slept on the steps of the palace. He would not go in. 2 Samuel 11, 14 and 15. And when the morning was past, Bathsheba's morning, David sent and fetched her, fetched Bathsheba to his house. Verse 27, but the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. What kind of father example was David? We all have choices in life, and I'm going to use my husband as an example. His mom attended an apostolic church, but married an unbeliever. Choice. When he was a little boy, his father worked all week, but every Friday he came home showered and left for the weekend to drink and party. Duane shared with me that one Friday evening, as a little boy, he grabbed his father's pant leg, he begged him not to go, and he tried to keep him from leaving. His dad shook him off like a wet rag and just kept moving. Duane grew up in a small apostolic church where he was the youth group. He left church as a teenager and was away from God for 12 years. Choice. Teens, help each other in your youth group. Let them know that you care about them. The good news is, is that before we got married, Dwayne's dad called him crying. He had received the Holy Ghost and been baptized, and he became the construction worker helper for the lady pastor in that little church. Whatever she needed, he was always willing to assist and complete it. And all of the time I grew up, all the time we were married, I never, ever 
saw his dad angry. He was patient, gentle, kind, and loving to his family and grandchildren. A choice. Duane and I met our senior year in high school. I was raised in a United Brethren Church that later merged with the Methodist, and it became United Methodist. We married at age 21, and I finished college to be a teacher. Duane had enlisted in the Navy. We lived in Florida and North Carolina until returning to Illinois so he could finish college. We came home for a visit, went to a revival, and after hearing an end-time message, went to the altar and repented. Choice. Our hearts were hungry for God. We returned to an apostolic church in Mattoon, Illinois. At one time when Duane was managing a lumber company, he attended a convention and he was invited to visit a lumber yard owner in Missouri. This man was very wealthy. He owned 14 lumber yards in Missouri and Illinois and Duane was given an absolutely unbelievable job opportunity as the general manager over all of these yards, as well as having a manager in Illinois and a manager in Missouri that he was over. And as well as that, he could have ownership in the company. And the owner also promised me a teaching job in the community. He was very influential in this town. So we thought, well, we better check out the apostolic church in the area. There was none in that little town, so we traveled 35 mil miles along the Mississippi River to visit this church. The church was very good, but as we thought and prayed about that drive in the winter months, now I don't know what if you know what the winters are like in Illinois and Missouri, but it can be very treacherous, especially along the Mississippi, and fog comes in a lot. So we knew if we traveled along 35 miles, we knew that it would be difficult to be faithful to church. So when Duane told the owner that he could not accept his owner, his offer, he was shocked and he told Duane, you are stupid to turn down this job opportunity. This is a job of a lifetime, and it was. But we stayed in Mattoon, and we raised our children in a wonderful church where we remain today. Choice. <laughs> Through the years, we've made some good choices and some bad ones. But God is merciful, and we have been serving him since 1972 choice. Duane did follow his dad's example with some sinful behavior, but he chose to live for God. He raised our son and later our daughter in apostolic truth. Choice. When our son was 15, we adopted our daughter Tara, who was seven years old. She grew up in our apostolic church, but chose to marry at age 18. She married and divorced the same young man three times. Choice. They had four children, but when the baby was eight months old, she chose to leave the family. 
choice. She lived in a life of sin, immorality, alcohol, and drugs. We have done our best to help raise these four grandchildren. Other godly grandparents helped us too. Choice. Tara lost parental visitation with the children, and the children have struggled with this loss. But with the help of God, they have stayed in church. Choice. This past July, all five of our grandchildren who are old enough to be in the Mattoon Youth Choir, this is a 41-year tradition. They traveled for 10 days ministering in four states. Sister Judy Dowdy had prayed and fasted, and she felt like 41 years ago we needed to start a youth choir. And she told them when they were fasting and praying, for the weekend before they would take off, she would always say, this is not performance, this is ministry. This is ministry. So one of the first churches that they ministered in this year, and some of you will recognize this name, Brother Nathaniel Urshan's church in Durham, North Carolina. This month, again, all five, again, only the the older five are old enough to be in youth choir. Grayson, the baby, will be next year. All five of them were in Northern Illinois for the annual youth retreat. We are so thankful they are serving God. In December, we will be married 55 years. Choice. Parents, grandparents, never give up praying. Our daughter recently started attending an apostolic church south of Mattoon. They have a wonderful pastor and a recovery program. It's been 12 years, but your prayers never fail. They're never extinct. Your prayers are always there before the eyes of God. No one in my biological family is apostolic, but I've chosen to live this truth and I will not turn back. Choice. Let's review the story of Ruth. Ruth 1.14, and they lifted up their voice and wept again. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. The story is that one we've We've heard before, and I want to draw attention to it again. We know that Naomi and her family had left Bethlehem due to famine. They left Bethlehem. Do you know it's called the house of bread? And they went into Moab, God's wash pot. That is the vessel that the conquerors used to wash their feet. Can you imagine leaving the house of bread and going to the wash pot? Choice. They had gone to Moab and settled down. Now Moab was off limits to a true Israelite because of idolatry. Talk about a lack of commitment and a lack of trust in God by Elimelech and Naomi. Choice. 
But when you look back into the history of Israel and Moab, you realize they went into the land, Elimelech and Naomi went into the land of their enemies. When the Israelites had been rebellious, God used Moab to slave, enslave them. Judges 3, 12 and 13 says, And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel, and he gathered unto him the children of Ammon and Amalek, and went out and smote Israel. They had not been out from under King Eglon's rule for that long. They go into the enemy's land to live, and there their sons find, these are Israelite sons, they find two Moabites to marry, Ruth and Orpah, choice. Young people, choose a mate that believes in this apostolic doctrine. Choose a mate that not only believes this doctrine, but practices it. Our elder brother Dowdy at home said, there are two important choices in life, young people, and everybody. Number one, deciding to live for God. And number two, very important choice, who you marry. These women were not just run-of-the-mill Moabites. No Jewish history tells us they are sisters and probably from royalty. They were descendants of King Eglon, the king of Moab himself. Some say they were daughters and some say granddaughters. But either way, they grew up as princesses with all the benefits that royalty would provide them and they grew up without want. They grew up around the king's table and fully entrenched in false gods and pagan worship. Why would Elimelech and Naomi take their family there? Choice. So when we see them marrying two Israelite men, something must have drawn them. They were tired of the idols, their ways in Moab, and maybe they saw something real in the lives and the ways of the Israelites. Ruth and Orpah became part of the family of Elimelech and Naomi. They were willing to leave that all behind and follow the customs of the Israelites who were beneath them not that long ago. Choice. They were both willing to leave the comforts of what they knew to be married to the Israelites. We must wonder what their families thought of this union. Did Ruth and Orpha become a disgrace to this family? Were they ridiculed? Were they shunned? I, I just wonder what initial price they maybe had to pay for marrying two Israelite men. Choice. We know the story. Elimelech dies, then Milan and Chilean die. And Naomi tells Ruth and Orpah to go home. Go back to your gods. Go back to the ways of the Moabites. Just head back to the king's house. It's a place of wealth and provision 
because I cannot provide for you. I know you will have everything you need there. Twice, she tells them, turn back, and they refuse. But the third time is when we see in Ruth 1, 14, Orpah kissed Ruth Clave. Right there we see the difference between those two sisters. Choice. These two Moabite sisters were of the same home, brought up the same way, made the same choice to marry an Israelite, and later they were exposed to the same God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and we see them making two different choices. Choice. Ruth chose to cleave. Now that has, cleave has two actual meanings. Cleave is to stick together, but there is an opposite meaning to split apart. Well, she chose to cleave. There comes a time when each of us must make that decision for ourselves. Commitment to God and his plan shows what's really important. As Joshua said in Joshua 24, 15, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Ruth and Orpah. Ruth clave, Orpah kissed. You see, for Orpah, it was all about the emotion. It was all about the kissing. It was all about the surface. She, Orpah, never truly became committed to Jehovah. Choice. Oh, it all felt good to be in the house of God. It feels good to be around God's people, doesn't it? Whatever that initial price was that she had to pay was worth it to be around God's people. But when it came time for the work, the true sacrifice, Orpah was gone. But when it came to full commitment in being fully in this thing, she didn't understand it at all. But we see Ruth, entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee, for whither thou goest, I will go. And whither thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God will be my God. She was in it for the long haul. Yeah, choice, choice, choice. Yes, there's going to be some hard times when she believed in this God of Naomi. Ruth cleaved. She clung to her. She linked herself to her. She was not going to let Naomi or her God get away. Choice. It was not just about emotion with Ruth. Yes, that was great, but with her whole being, she gave herself to Naomi's God. We know the end of the story. She's obedient. She follows Naomi. Ruth longed, worked long hours in the fields. She helped gather barley grain for Naomi and herself. Choice. They had arrived at the beginning of the barley harvest just in time. Just in time. Ruth encounters Boaz, a relative of Naomi. And in Ruth 2 and 1 in the Amplified versions, and Ruth went and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and she happened to stop at the part of the field 
belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. She just happened to stop there? Excuse me. No, nothing happens by chance. When we heard that she had come with Naomi from Moab, Boaz spoke kindly to her, and he gave her permission. You can gleam in this field, but you can also appease your hunger and thirst with drink and food of his reapers. Ruth receives provisions for today, the present, but she also received provisions for the future. Ruth marries Boaz and in time became the mother of Obed, the father of Jesse, and grandfather of David. Ruth, who was the Moabite, had a total new future because of her choices. I don't care what your background is. You can have a total new free future when you live for God. Naomi, who was Ruth's elder, had told Ruth what to do to receive this blessing. We still need elders to speak in our lives. Elders and pastors that hear from God for us personally and for our church, for our community to be blessed. Trevor preached that Sister Lindsay chose to listen to her pastor, and we saw the result as he preached. Our senior pastor, Brother Darrell Dowdy, was born in Louisiana. He was a son of a construction worker. His family traveled for construction, and grandparents followed the circus as performers and workers. He attended nine different high schools in four years. His family did not know God, but he attended apostolic churches starting at age 15 as one day he had walked past his neighbor's house and she, he heard her say, God saved Daryl. He has told us that story and he said, I fell to my knees. And this lady took Brother Dowdy to an apostolic church, Choice. He later married Sister Judy Dowdy, a woman evangelist who was from a small church in Illinois. Together they evangelized and pastored a church in Chicago, Illinois, a Choice. He worked a full-time job in asphalt repaving and also as a mover to assist people in relocating while he was pastoring. This was very difficult work, but he and Sister Dowdy believed in furthering the kingdom of God. They had five children and they raised them in apostolic truth. Their oldest son, Basil, had a terrible skin disease as a baby. They always took him to church and kept asking God to heal him, choice. There were many times when his skin was inflamed, they would have to soak off his clothing at night after the service, but God healed his body. 
In October of 1979, Brother Downey answered the call to come to Mattoon to pastor our church, 44 years choice. Brother Downey always says, we have a choice to raise a godly generation. A few months ago, Basil, the older son, who had been backslid for 35 years, prayed back through to the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Brother Dowdy has a godly generation of family living for God and developing in ministry choice. And just recently, Sister Lisa's brother, who had been away from God for 41 years, prayed back through. Our prayers are never extinct. Don't give up. I had mentioned that Sister Dowdy started the Mattoon Youth Choir 41 years ago, teaching young people how to minister and pray. She also wrote a spiritual warfare prayer book after our missions trip to Russia. It helps you to extend your prayer time. They have been mightily used in Mattoon. While we were in Mattoon, we went to a revival and my husband was called out by an evangelist. And he prophesied that my husband would travel and preach and teach. My husband was working in a secular job. We were supporting the pastors, but he was not really in ministry. So he came home and he told Brother Dowdy what this minister had told him. And Brother Dowdy said, well, that's nice. And he walked away. Duane was hurt by this response, but he immediately started developing lessons on biblical finance. Since he's a certified financial planner, he felt that God told him, take what you already know and apply Bible principles and use it for the kingdom. Choice. As soon as Brother Dowdy saw that Duane was not sitting around waiting for someone to invite him, he became his biggest supporter and promoter. Duane developed new, numerous lessons for our churches in the United States and overseas. In 2002, Brother Robert Rodenbusch was visiting Brother Dowdy and he told him, our missionary in Germany is needing to come home and we need somebody in Germany for two months. And Brother Dowdy says, well, Sister Pope is taking an early retirement in May. And Brother Dowdy said, I bet they would go. I completed my public school work the end of May. By July 10th, we were in Lahnstuhl, Germany. We pastored the apostolic church there that was almost all military members. We still stay in touch with about four couples from that church. It was a wonderful experience and in those two months, six were baptized and five got the Holy Ghost. I have 34 years experience as a teacher and a licensed counselor parent assistant. So when I took early retirement in 2002, we started traveling together and we called our seminars Family Matters because family does matter. Choice. 
Brother Dowdy has totally supported our desire to minister in teaching and preaching. And he has even traveled with us three times to the Philippines. We've been to Singapore 15 times, seven times to the Philippines, Malaysia, East and West, Germany, Indonesia, Greece, Thessaloniki, Prague, Czech Republic, and who knows where else. Do something for God. You don't have to travel overseas, but you have souls right here that you can reach out to. Since we were both still employed when we first started, we could not apply to the missions department because we would need to leave when they indicated they need you here, they need you here. So we could not receive a financial assistance through other churches to help with our ministry traveling. We had to step out by faith choice. We chose to be self-funded so that we could help our local church as well as minister overseas. And God has continually provided for us to do both. Our children and grandchildren have watched our ministry and they've learned to minister mainly through our local church and also through the Mattoon Youth Choir. As Duane said, he has said to them many times, we are a family of ministry. And I wanna say again, that does not mean you're standing at the pulpit necessarily. When we teach uh, finding your purpose classes at home, we say everyone has a ministry. You have something that you can do. Teach a Bible study, take food to somebody, pray for people. Everyone has a ministry. I had a picture and I meant to, did I give that to you, Brother Sloss? I'm not sure. Because our pastor has been so supportive of us, but it's from the beginning when we first went to Mattoon, we knew we were called there to minister, to uh, support our pastors. And um, I love this this. This saying, it said, a pastor that cares about where you will spend eternity will preach not what you want to hear, but what you need to hear. We have a choice to submit to the leadership of the pastor. I want to tell you it is a protection. We have learned to minister under our pastors, but it is a protection for us. And also, he has taught our children how important it is to support the local church because they're the ones that are giving you life-saving eternity. Duane teaches 10 reasons why we tithe, and he talks about stewardship also. 10% belongs to God. And our oldest grandchild, Ethan, gave $1,000 to the building fund before he even had a job of any consequence. He took his money and he kept saving it. He daily, faithfully reads the Bible and prays. 
One of our granddaughters asked for Christmas a Bible. I want a Bible like yours, me, Mom. And the other, another one of the granddaughters said, when you die, can I have your Bible? So I wrote her name in my Bible that it was to go to her. I'm not planning on dying soon, but anyhow. So our son Matt uses the envelope method in teaching stewardship and how it's important to support the church because he takes the envelope method with his kids. One envelope for tithe, another envelope for giving, and another envelope for spending. So when the kids come home with money, they put a portion in each envelope. That's how Ethan was able to save $1,000 before he ever was out of high school because he used his money in a wise way. It's the envelope method, a great way, parents, for you to teach the importance of giving. Life is a bundle of choices. Every day we have choices to make. Choices are decisions for life. And every decision has an outcome or a consequence. Consequences are either positive or negative, but they are ours, no one else's. We cannot blame anyone else for our outcomes or our consequences, they belong to us. As Christian grandparents, we have an obligation to not only be living examples for our grandchildren, but to teach them the ways of God so they may be able to live a happy, prosperous life. We have this privilege and it should not be taken lightly. We want them to be saved for eternal life. The world is more than willing to share its lifestyles and what they perceive to be what is right for our children. So we must teach the ways of God for them to walk in. I want you to look at these. Number one, teach. God is the source of morality. Our grandchildren, our children must develop the firm conviction that de God determines what is right and wrong. Our lives are being flooded with social media and worldly entertainment that has dropped the boundaries of moral right and wrong. In a world that's lost its moral compass, we have the privilege of the responsibility to teach them and show them by our example what is morally accepted in the eyes of God. Number two, teach the gospel. As precious as our children and grandchildren are, every one of them needs a savior. Every one of them needs the free gift of God's saving grace. Let's start at a very early age, put that plan of salvation in their minds and in their memories. We cannot, as much as we appreciate our Sunday school teachers, our, our children's pastors, our teen pastors, we have to also be teaching the gospel. We do take time to teach them how to ride a bike, don't we? Drive a car, 
mow the yard, maybe even catch a fish. But how much more should we be diligent about teaching the gospel? Number three, we must teach them obedience to authority. One of the greatest plagues in our society is a lack of respect for authority. We should teach them to encourage them, live in a manner that is worthy of the gospel. We need to teach them to respect, respect in our homes, in our schools, in our churches, and they should never hear us criticize our pastors or Sunday school teachers or any leader in the church. Number four, we must teach the values of Christianity, the core values. The pattern of scripture is for children of all ages to be taught the truth of, of the Bible so that they can be firmly rooted in Christ and established in their faith. Just simply saying, because I said so, will not work in today's society. It may have worked in our generation. We need to give them a godly answer from the word and scriptural principles for them to live by. We have a job. Let us be good examples before them. I want to share a story in closing about a young woman went to her mother, told her about life and how things were so hard for her. She did not know how she was going to make it. She wanted to give up. She was tired of fighting, tired of struggling. It seemed as one problem was solved, a new one arose. Her mother took her to the kitchen. She filled three pots with water and placed each one on the fire. Soon the pots began to boil. In the first pot, she put carrots. In the second, she placed eggs. And in the last, she put ground coffee beans. She let them sit and boil without saying a word. In about 20 minutes, she turned off the burners. She fished out the carrots and placed them in a bowl. She pulled the eggs out and placed them in a bowl. Then she ladled the coffee out and placed it in a bowl. Turning to her daughter, she said, now tell me what you see. Carrots, eggs, and coffee, she replied. Her mother brought her closer and asked her to feel the carrots. She did, and she said they are soft. The mother then asked the daughter to take an egg and break it. After pulling off the shell, she observed a hard-boiled egg. Finally, she said, I want you to sip the coffee. The daughter smiled as she tasted the rich aroma. The daughter then asked, what does this mean, mother? Her mother said that each of these objects have faced the same adversity, boiling water. Each reacted differently. The carrot, carrot went in strong, hard, and unrelenting. However, after being subjected to the boiling water, the carrot softened and became weak. The egg had been very fragile. Its thin outer shell had protected its liquid interior. 
but after sitting in the boiling water, its inside became hardened. The ground coffee beans were unique, however. After they were in the boiling water, they changed the water. Which are you? She asked her daughter. When adversity knocks on your door, how are you going to respond? Are you a carrot, an egg, or a coffee bean? Think of this, which am I? Am I the carrot that seems strong, but with pain and adversity, do I wilt and become soft and lose my strength? Am I the egg that starts with a malleable heart, but changes with the heat? Do I have a fluid spirit, but after a death, a breakup, a financial hardship, or some trial, have I become hardened and stiff? Does my shell look the same, but on the inside, am I bitter and tough with a, with a stiff spirit and a hardened heart? Or am I like the coffee bean? The bean actually changes the hot water, the very circumstance that brought it pain. When the water gets hot, it releases the fragrance and flavor. And if, if you are like the bean, when things are at your worst, you get better and change the situation around you. When the hour is dark and trials are their greatest, do you elevate yourself to another level? How do you handle adversity? Are you a carrot, an egg, or a coffee bean? We have a choice, don't we? Would you all stand with us at this time? Praise God. Well, we've heard the word, we've heard the scripture tonight. And as she said earlier, life is a bundle of choices. And you make your choices. That's where we stand tonight. And fathers, heads of household, mothers that are standing in place of the father, you have a great task before you in the days to come. Let me encourage every one of you, pull your family together, spend some time together, talk about the things of life, talk about the things that should and should not take place in your home. Read the word together, see what God has to say. It is so important because time is short, God is soon coming, and we must be ready. Praise God. And let me say further that our behavior, and this is every one of us, but our behavior is a strong statement of what we truly believe how you act tells everyone what you truly believe 
but just remember every morning when you arise, when you get out of bed, choices are going to be before you. And every step of the day, you're going to make choices. Be careful. Be sure that you're following the Word of God and His unction in terms of the choices that you make. So happy that all of you are here tonight to be able to minister to you. And in these days to come, it's your family. That's what it's all about. God first, and then He gave the family. And then he gave us a ministry for a purpose. Pastor, will you come? I want you to get your family and get as close as you can to the front of this altar tonight. If your family's not here, just get as close as you can to your church family tonight. Amen. This is our fall family series, and I can't think of a greater thing we could do in every one of these services to come to the altar together as a family. Mom and dad, you'll teach your children. I want you to hear me. You're going to teach your children how to fall in love with the altar when they see you come to the altar every time it's open. Here, here's what I want you to, to hear me, mom and dad. There's going to come a day and a time where your kids are going to need the altar. And you're going to wish and hope and pray that somewhere they come to the altar to get what they need from God. They're not going to do it because you said it's what they need to do. They're going to do it because every time they came to church, they saw mom and daddy come to that altar and fall in love with that altar. I thought of this as brother and sister Pope were ministering so absolutely powerful in the Holy Ghost tonight. There's a story about two brothers. These two brothers were raised together, raised exactly the same way, same circumstances. They were raised rejected by their father at a very young age they grew up without a dad with all of the challenges associated with that one of the brothers became an alcoholic drug addict lived his life in complete dysfunction the other brother became a very successful businessman and family man. One day, somebody talked to the brothers and wanted to try and understand the difference. And so they asked the one brother who had delved into alcohol and drug addiction and dysfunction, and they said, what is the main reason why you feel like your life has gone the direction it has gone. He said, because of my father. My dad 
dad wasn't there and all of this stuff because of my father. And then they asked the other brother and said, what was the difference? Why? What made you make the choices that you made? And his answer was my father. I saw my father, what he did, and I decided I didn't want to go down that same road. You see, it's all about choices that you make. In this house, there are people that are coming up under the same exposure to the same ministry, the same word of God that comes, the same moving of the Holy Ghost that comes. And there's some people who leave the house with deliverance and victory and they do what God wants them to do. And there's other people that walk out of the house angry and bitter and confused. Not because there was something different in the house or the word or, or the God that's in the building, but because of the choices that we make with what life gives to us. Nobody is exempt from challenges. Brother and Sister Pope did such a marvelous job sharing with us tonight. Thank you for being transparent. I asked First Lady to stand up here with me tonight because many of you don't, don't even know our story. And I was... abandoned as a boy spent the first part of my life under severe physical abuse grew up in a home full of alcoholism drugs partying fighting bickering, yelling all of the things that go with that lifestyle I had a choice to make but somewhere the Holy Ghost helped me to understand and I made a choice that said I know this is what happened to me but I refuse to let this be what happens to my children I refuse to let this be the way that the next generation has to live Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Uh, I'm talking to some moms and dads in the building that have children. And, and right now, life is coming at you. Uh, and you've got choices that you've got to make uh, because your children are watching you. Uh, they're taking in every decision you make. Uh, they're experiencing the result uh, of every choice that you make. Uh, and somewhere you had better get a perspective uh, greater than the right here and the right now. Brother and Sister Pope said it over and over again. Uh, the Lord is coming soon. Come on, above everything else, we've got to make it to heaven. We've got to be right with God. Uh, and so, you know what? It doesn't, nothing else matters. Uh, my personal ambitions, uh, my personal struggles, uh, my own personal, all of those things have got to come under submission to the cross and the authority uh, of the blood of Jesus uh, because I've got to make it to heaven. Uh, and I'm not going without my family. Uh, and I'm not going without my children. Uh, and I'm not going without my grandchildren. A choice to make. This happened to me. I had to make a choice. I'm not going to be an absent father. 
I'm not going to be an abusive husband. I'm not going to be a man who can't control his anger and his rage and his temper. I'm not going. It's a choice. I was faced with the same genetic dysfunction that my father had, which is called sin, that all of us have to deal with. Uh, I had to face it uh, and make a choice uh, that I'm not going to give in to it. I'm not going to let it take me down that road. Some of you don't realize it. The first lady was, was abused as a little girl. And what an experience. What an opportunity over and over again in life to point back and say, because this happened to me, I, I can't help but behave like this. I can't help but do this. But you know what? When the Holy Ghost got a hold of her, she made up in her mind, I'm not going to be a victim. I'm not going to be a statistic. I'm not going to let what happened to me in the past dictate what my future is going to be. Come on, I'm talking to some people in the building. You've got to make a choice. Sister Pope said it so powerful. What happened to you in your past does not have to rule over your future. All of us have made mistakes. All of us have. Sometimes it's not about the poor choice you made. It's about the choice you make after that one. It's a matter of time before you make a mistake. The question is, what kind of choices are you going to do make with that mistake? One writer wrote the song and simply said, we fall down. But we get up, Woo. we fall down, but we get up. Sometimes it's that simple living for God. We fall down, but we get up. For a saint is just a sinner who fell down and got up. I wish somebody with that testimony would just lift your hand and declare that. We fall down, but we get up. Ooh, that needs to be somebody's mantra tonight. We fall down, but we get up. Help me sing. We fall down, but we get up. For a saint, for a saint is just a sinner who fell tell somebody tonight that getting up is a choice Ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost tonight getting up is a choice you've got to make it up in your mind when those moments come and you find yourself on your knees and you find yourself in a predicament you never thought you've got to make up in your mind that the same resurrection power that lifted Jesus out of a grave uh, and come on somebody uh, and got him out of a out of a tomb uh, is the same power of the Holy Ghost uh, that can lift me up out of my struggles uh, that can lift me up out of my proclivities uh, that can pick me up out of my difference between successful people and failure failures in any arena of life has nothing to do with mistakes it has to do with who keeps getting back up again
so many choices confronting all of us in this room right now. Choices. There's young ladies in the building right now that you got choices to make over, over that young man that you know you shouldn't be talking to. There's young ladies and there's young men in the building who, who, who have some choices to make uh, over some things that the enemy has dangled in front of you, uh, trying to seduce you and trying to, to you got some choices uh, that you have to make. Come on, somebody. But I wonder if tonight for just a few moments, and we're, it's only 9.15, we're not going to be here long. I wonder if for just a few moments we could close our eyes and lift our hands in the air tonight. And with heaven in our view, with eternity in our hearts, and a picture of our families and our future families in our mind and our heart, I wonder if we could lift our hands right now and say, God, I want to surrender every choice in front of me to your will. I want to surrender every decision in my life, God, to your will tonight. Come on, would you lift your hands and help me pray for a few moments tonight? Come on, this is, I know it's Tuesday night, but the Holy Ghost wants to minister in this place right now. The Holy Ghost wants to do a work in the next few moments in this place. Come on, come on, I'm making the right choice right now, God. Come on, I'm making the right choice right now, God. Oh, God. God, I've come short a few times. I've made some mistakes and I've gone down some wrong roads. But tonight, God, I'm making a choice to turn around. I'm making a choice tonight, God, to get it right. I'm making a choice right now. Come on, God. Come on, for a saint. 
somebody I'll say yes Lord I agree my desire come on sing it to him passionately is to be what you've called me to be come on lift your hands that's what I'll that's what I'll be come on help me one time before we leave I will be what you've called me to be I'll say yes I'll say yes Lord I agree Lord I agree come on come on my desire passionately is to be what you've called me to be that's what I'll be we're about to leave in just a moment, but I'm going to tell you what I feel in the Holy Ghost. Somebody needs to see this tonight. There is a call of God upon every family in this house. I said, I'm going to say it again. There is a call of God upon every person uh, that is in this building tonight. Uh, and it's simply, uh, God did not create you to fail. Who am I talking to? God did not create you uh, with failure and dysfunction and, and heartbreak and heartache in mind. He didn't create you for that. Uh, he created you, Jeremiah 29, 11 said, uh, with plans to prosper you, uh, with plans to give you a hope uh, and a future uh, and never to harm you. That's the plan and the will of God. And your responsibility is simply to say yes to the will of God in your life. 
Come on, your responsibility is simply uh, to surrender uh, and say yes. Uh, I, uh, I won't, I'm not going to live dysfunctional. Uh, I'm going to live blessed. Uh, I'm not going to live defeated and disobedient. Uh, I'm going to live blessed. Uh, I'm not going to live with rebellion in my heart uh, and sin in my spirit. Uh, but I'm going to live under an umbrella uh, of blessing in my life. Come on. Uh, one more time, somebody lift your hands up. Come on, let's say yes to the will of God. Say yes. I'll say yes. before we leave this house. I'll say yes. Lord, I agree. My desire passionately is to be what you've called me to be. That's what I One more time. That's what I'll be. Whatever it takes is to be what you call me to be. That's what I'll be. Come on, somebody right now. Put a praise on your choice tonight. Come on, somebody put a praise on your choice. Come on, you're one choice away from your deliverance tonight.